Welcome to the Get in the Fight podcast. My name is Nate Whitson, and I'm the founder of Get in the Fight Ministries and our exclusive online fight club for Christian men. Everything we do here is dedicated to helping Christian men become the men that God meant for them to be. So if you're looking for helpful content and conversations that can help you to grow and become the man that God made you to be, then you're in the right place. But before we get started, please do me a huge favor and be sure to subscribe, click the like button, and then leave us a five-star review. Doing that helps us to reach more men who are looking for content just like this. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our mission and how to get involved or how to join the Fight Club, then head on over to getinthefight.club. That's getinthefight.club and learn more today. But without further ado, it's time to get in the fight. So let's go. Hey guys, welcome to the Get in the Fight podcast. I'm your host, Nate Whitson. And we are here today talking about the book, Divine Directions. Here it is if you're watching on the YouTube channel. Divine Directions, Seven Decisions That Will Change Your Life. And we're doing a series that started with episode number 40. If you haven't started uh, any of this series yet and you're just kind of listening to this one today and you want to catch up, start at episode number 40. And we're doing the seven decisions that will change your life. And we've been saying this in each one of these that... It might feel like a little bit of a hoax or a little phony to say like, hey, this could change your life. But I'm telling you, if you're a Christian man listening to this today, you're at the right place. This is a podcast with you in mind. This is a podcast for Christian men who are really looking to take their relationship with Christ to the next level. They're, they're guys like you and me that are really just tired of playing pretend, guys that just show up to church, guys that are coasting through life, guys that are just knowing that they're not getting stronger, they're not getting better, they know that they're going through the motions, and they want better relationships. They want a stronger mindset. They want victory over pornography or, you know, sins that keep tripping you up, alcohol, friendships, all these kinds of things. So again, seven decisions in this series that can change your life. And if you if you recognize what I'm saying today about wanting to be better in some of those things, wanting to be stronger, wanting to be a man of honor and discipline, strength and joy, our four pillars or principles of our ministry. If if you connect with that, again, welcome. You're in the right place. And I think this series could be amazing for you. The book is incredible. It's by Craig Rochelle, a pastor out of Oklahoma. Highly recommend that you get his book. If you go to our website, getinthefight.club, at the very bottom of the page, you'll see that there's an Amazon store there. You can click there and get all kinds of books and resources, devotionals that I've written, things like that. So again, get the book. Look up Craig on YouTube, his his video series. Uh, they do one all the time. The Divine Directions, just Google that. Divine Directions, Craig Rochelle. Watch his uh, sermon series on it. It's incredible stuff. But in case you don't read and in case you don't happen to go do that, then I think that our take on this book can really help you out. So again, today we're at part five. And in the first four episodes, there's been a progression of God honoring decisions. We talked about the idea that there are no small decisions. We talked about the idea that I think that there's a, oh, I don't know what the right way to say it is a, a wrong view of deciding to follow Jesus. I think many times what you see and hear in church and maybe even think yourself is like, oh, I already made that decision. As if it's like this, you know, one-time thing that you do. No, you have to make a decision to follow Jesus every single day. I think that we we ought to start talking in terms like that way more often. Because it's in these small daily decisions 
that you start to walk in certain directions. So if I make a small decision to open up the door of, of my computer and uh, start looking at things that maybe aren't all the way crazy, but they open the door for it, guess what? It puts me in a direction to cheat with my life. And then guess what? This is what we learn in this, in this book. Small decisions lead to big stories. I become the kind of person who lives out the stories of being faithful, being honest, living with integrity, keeping my commitments, or somebody who talks a big game but is a cheater, a liar, a fraud, right? What stories do you want to tell? We talk about God-honoring decisions can change your life because they will put you in the direction of the stories that you will tell. Therefore, there are no small decisions that you make. So we need to make better small decisions so that when we get to the big decisions, they all are always pointing us no matter what in the right direction, right? We talked about the idea that a God-honoring decision is one that allows you to stop, pause, slow down, or wait, and then just think, like, all right, before I decide to do this, before I decide to walk in this direction, where is this going to take me? Imagine if you could go back and correct some of the things that you have the biggest regrets in your life about if you could have just paused and stopped and waited and prayed or brought in more resources and help, imagine how different the stories are that you would tell if you could do that. It could be life altering if you could just do that one. We also talked about the 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 complex decision making that goes into the fork in the road. When you've got a decision, you've got the fork in the road, it either goes this way or that way. And you've got to make a decision, do I stay or do I go? Do I uh, go through what is painful in the moment or doesn't seem to make sense, but I don't feel like God is releasing me to go and I know I should stay. When, when do we stay or when do we feel like God is saying, look, you've stayed long enough and now it's time to go. So we, we look at both of those things in the first four episodes, again, starting at episode number 40. In all of these God-honoring decisions, they lead us to, again, destinations, where you end up in your life, where you've ended up so far, is a direct result of the decisions that you've made previously and the direction or the path that you've walked on up until now. So think about the stories that you're telling as of today, who you are as a man, who you are as a father, who you are in terms of your health or fitness or any other area of your life. All of those are based on the decisions that you've made up until this point and you are now reaping the rewards or consequences of those decisions. Well, when we start to make God-honoring decisions, they lead to certain things in our life, like serving, living in a genuine community with other believers, and learning to trust God. So that's where we're going in the next three episodes. Today, we're going to really focus in on the idea that God-honoring decisions lead us to live a life of service. It changes who we are. When we start to honor God with the small daily decisions, if every day we wake up and say, God, I'm going to make a decision to follow you today, one of the byproducts of that is that we serve. It isn't just decisions that we make, like I'm going to go serve something. It just becomes like this byproduct of a changed life, a changed heart. We become people who serve. So going to the book, I want to read to you a story about a lady named Sherry. 
The tropical sun blazed across the hillside. Sherry whispered a quick prayer of thanks for the shady pavilion and the strong breeze blowing through. It was already afternoon, but many people were still lined up outside the gate. Their faces stoic, even though their dark eyes glimmered with hope. Sherry didn't know the language, although she occasionally caught phrases she recognized from high school French class. It didn't matter. Her heart didn't need a translator to understand the desperation communicated by teen mothers holding three babies apiece or the old men covered in scabies. At first, Sherry felt self-conscious, unsure of what she was supposed to do, let alone how to do it. She felt unqualified, ashamed, and unneeded, pouring water from a pitcher she had filled in the janitor's supply closet into tiny Dixie cups. Then one of the doctors asked her to hold one of the babies, a precious jewel in a frilly pink sundress, while he weighed the girl's mother. The baby smiled at her, blinking. In Sherry's arms, the baby's fevered body was as limp as a warm dish rag. The doctor had Sherry lay her on the baby scale so she could weigh her. The digital readout flashed for a moment, stopping at 14 pounds, 2 ounces. Sherry gingerly handed the baby back to her mother. They smiled at each other, and the mother nodded and said something. Sherry could tell... She was grateful, even though she didn't understand the words. The mother turned and walked away. Sherry glanced over the short intake form to see if she could tell what they had come in for. She felt suddenly faint, as if all the oxygen had escaped from her body in an instant. The tiny baby girl was almost three years old. Moments like these, and there were many, simultaneously broke Sherry's heart and strengthened it. She had been there for only three days, and already she was emotionally exhausted. She wavered between feeling irritated at her friend Tammy for talking her into coming and grateful to her because she knew she would never be able to forget the gentle people here and their profound need for things that Sherry had always taken for granted. Clean water, nourishing food, basic medical care. Sherry's visit transformed her. She learned firsthand that serving others isn't just a nice thing to do when you have the time, but an urgent call from God's own heart. While she knew she would one day return to this impoverished land, Sherry also realized that everyone is in need, that she had plenty of people to serve back home. But her biggest discovery was the paradox that pouring herself out through serving refilled her heart to overflowing. In the story of Sherry, it just it's a great story to help us see that serving is all around us. The need for serving, I should say, is all around us. And yet serving, although it's like profoundly impactful in our lives, we know it's the best way for us. We know it brings the most true joy. We know it's one of the most satisfying things in the world is to give where you just can't receive anything back. You're just giving out of just a pure heart to somebody who needs something so much that you take for granted. We know that's best. And yet why is it so difficult to have a heart to serve day in and day out? You know, when you think about it, like you don't need to teach a baby to be selfish, do you? If you've ever raised little ones, you just know we are born selfish. We are born into a world where it's really just all about us. And in fact, you know you can't survive as a baby and, and you are just being catered to from literally from day one, moment one. You can't survive unless somebody serves you. And we kind of get addicted to that, don't we? In a lot of ways, of course, we don't process it that way as a baby, but that's true. We can't survive unless somebody just serves us with every single thing, right, when you're born. And yet what's interesting is that as we get older, we're now born into a society that encourages us to be selfish as well. We live in a society that says, you know, you should go get yours. You should do the things that you want to do, whatever makes you happy. 
whatever your heart tells you that you want to do, whatever feels best to you. We, we are like reinforced constantly from a world that says you deserve all of this. And yet, living in a Burger King world like that where you can have it your way isn't the way that it works for God the King. The Burger King says, however you want it, you get it. In fact, you deserve it. Whatever makes you happy. And yet, God the King has a better way, has a different way. Think about it this way. The point of this whole book, the point of the conversation that we're having in this series is this. God-honoring decisions, the point of all of that is that we might do life His way, not our way. The world is a Burger King world. Have it your way. Get what you can get. Don't worry about the people around you. Serve yourself. And yet, what does Jesus tell us in Matthew 16, 24? Whoever wants to be my disciple must what? Serve himself, put himself at the front, get what's yours, right? Is that what he said? No. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up a cross, and follow me. Matthew 16, 24. Do you, my friend, want to be a disciple of the king? If you're a disciple of the Burger King, then you are just saying, whatever I can get, I'm going to get. I deserve it. If it makes me happy, it doesn't matter who's around me. People, in fact, around me don't matter, not more than me anyways. I'm going to get what I can get. But if you really want to be a disciple, in fact, we said this at the beginning, this is a podcast for Christian men who really want to be disciples. They're, They're guys like you and I who are imperfect Men that want to be better, though. Men that are tired of settling, tired of being the status quo, tired of just not giving God 100%. And yet, the cost of membership is high. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you've got to live the life that he lived. And how did he do it? He denied himself. Think about Jesus here for a minute. Who comes from heaven itself is God himself. And it says that he although he was deity, put it aside. He set it down and said, I'm not going to use that here. I'm going to show you what it like, what it looks like. 15. I'm going to show you what it looks like to be fully human and fully surrendered to God. I'm going to show you the way. It's not the Burger King way. It's the King of Kings way. And it's one of denial. I'm going to deny my right as king And I'm going to put it aside. I'm going to come into a filthy, dark world and serve like crazy. I'm going to deny myself and take up a literal cross for you. Now, what does he tell us then? If you want to be a man like that, if you want to be a man who lives the kind of life that God wants you to live, if you live out the purposes for which you have been born and made into this time and space in history, You've been made with purpose for right now. And if you want to live that out, what do you have to do? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and then get following him, right? That's what you have to do. And how do you do it? This is the point. How we do it is by learning to make God-honoring decisions every day, starting with, God, I'm going to make a decision to follow you today. This isn't a a one-time decision where I, I... got my my life insurance my eternal life insurance and i'm saved from the you know fires of hell yeah that's a decision 
yeah, you've got to come to that place where you surrender, but it isn't a one and done. It's an everyday decision to take up your cross today, to follow today. So this is where we start to say, not, don't have it your way in the Burger King world, but we say to God, have it your way. Just like Jesus, again, our example, our Savior. When you start to say, God, this decision that I'm about to make, have it your way. That is the prayer that Jesus prays in the garden, isn't it? What I see here, he was saying, is trouble. I'm scared to death, sweating drops of blood, feeling the darkness closing in. He says, if there's any way that I can take this away from me, but what does he do? He denies himself and says, Father, have it your way. That's the example in this idea of serving. And if you want to be like Christ, you will automatically start to change the way you pray. And you say, Father, not my way, but your way be done. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the show so far. And if you are, please do me a big favor and simply get engaged in a simple way. For you, that might be clicking the like button or maybe subscribing to the show. For others, it may be commenting on a show that really stands out to them, or maybe it's just copying the URL and texting it to a friend or pasting that into your social media or sharing it via text, whatever it is. All of those things make a huge difference for us, and it helps us to reach more Christian men who are trying to live bigger and better lives. So number one, thank you for being a listener, and thank you for being a part of this community and part of this show. We appreciate it more than you know. And we appreciate you getting engaged and helping us out. Thanks so much. Now back to the show. Again, I told you in the beginning and I've told you through this series, it isn't just hyperbole or hype or like bravado to say that this could change your life. If you start praying God-honoring prayers, it can change your life. Because God's kingdom is an upside-down, backwards kingdom. We have a world that's saying, live for yourself. And then we have a Savior that says, die to yourself. It's, it's life-changing because it's so opposite of everything in the world, and yet we know for sure that it's the best way to go. Going back to the book, Craig says this in his book here. When the people all around us are yelling, get all you can, it's all about you, God wants us to contribute rather than consume. When all of culture says fill yourself, God tells us to fill others instead. God didn't create us to be takers. He created us to be givers. Rather than focusing on our desires, we are called to focus on the needs of others. Instead of cutting to the front of the line, we are called to wait at the end. God created us to serve. And while at first it might seem like we aren't getting as much, have you ever noticed how the entitled phrase, my fair share, sounds? (laughs) When we give our lives away, we discover a new and counterintuitive truth. When we give our lives that's when we find them. When we serve others, we're serving God. We are more blessed when we give than when we receive. When we stop obsessing over what we want, only then can we find what we need. I love that. The life that you want, the life that he wants for you, it's super counterintuitive. You will have to make a counterintuitive decision if you want to live the blessed life. That's what this is about. See, the, the intuitive decision is what makes me happy. The intuitive decision is let me think of how I want this to go. The intuitive decision is all about me serving me. 
the counterintuitive decision is, God, what do you want me to want in this decision? God, what do you want me to see? God, how do you want me to respond? And then we say counterintuitively, have it your way, not mine. Because my way, if I choose that, is going to be about serving me. But when I say your way, all of a sudden I'm involved in decisions that serve him. Do you see that? This is how Jesus lived his life. What did he say? The greatest among you will be what? The greatest among you will be served. The greatest among you will be catered to. The greatest among you will be first in line or the greatest among you will be the most important. No, he said the greatest among you will be your servant. It's the back of the line for the lead person in the kingdom. It's counterintuitive. It's upside down. And yet what we find out is that when we live that way, we become men of honor. We become men of discipline, of strength, and maybe more important than anything else, true joy. Because there's something about satisfying our own needs and putting us first that steals joy. Don't you think? Like, Can't you relate with that and understand that after this many years? I know for me, again, at the recording of this, I'm 46 years old. I can tell you that when I serve me, when I'm front of the line and not back, the joy is just not there. We always think it will be. We think that we will be better off if we could just be served, if we could be the ones you know, to get what we think we want. And yet it doesn't work that way, does it? There is a joy that comes by putting God and others first. We just maybe don't believe it. <laughs> and yet we have these conversations and we're like, we know it, right? Like there's something deep inside that knows that the way to true joy and peace with God is to put others first. It's to put him first. We know that's what we really want. We just have to really fight for that. And again, this ministry is called Get in the Fight for that reason. There's so many things that we have to be alert to, that we've got to be waking up to. And hopefully this podcast that we're producing here and, and sharing with you is doing that. It's waking up something inside of you. And there's that nudge that the Holy Spirit's giving you to say, like, come on, there, there's a better way. There's a different way. It's counterintuitive, but it's best. Trust me. Walk with me here. The way of serving is the way to peace and joy and, and living the life that you really want to live. In, in the last few episodes, and I said this a second ago, but in the last few episodes, we've been talking about a question that Craig presents that I think is just so great. What does God want me to want? What does God want me to want? Well, he wants us to think like Jesus thinks, where we say, not my hopes, God, but yours. Not my wishes, but your wishes come true. Not my concerns first, but yours or others, right? When it's, when it's so self-absorbed, then we can't be in, in, in the direction that God wants us to go. We can't be moving in the direction that God wants us to go. And so when we start to say, God, what do you want for me to want? He says, I want you to be a servant. Why? Because the greatest among you are the servants. And so here's the thing. If you still today hear all of this and think, yeah, I still want to sign up for this. I still want to be a disciple. Because remember, Jesus gives you the option. He says, do you want to be my disciple? Okay, then here's the path. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Here's the thing. It takes a real man to sign up for that. Now, again, like the kingdom of God is for men and women. Yes, but I'm talking to you as a man. It takes a real man 
to be able to take up a cross. It takes a real man to say, you first, right? One of the habits that we talk about, in fact, we're focusing on in the month of November is you first leadership. I'm the kind of leader that loves people well. And so I say you before me, you first, right? That's what it means to deny yourself, to live a life of service. It's, it isn't just that we you know, check off a box and be like, yeah, I helped serve somebody the other day. No, it's that we are becoming something like that. We are becoming brand new. In, in this conversation here, we look at the, the idea of just like learning to serve, learning to do more things. But I have to say this as we think of that. Many times when you hear ideas of do this, don't do that, it can make you think that the way to change your life is by simply modifying your behavior. And we always want to like kind of alert you to this idea that that is not what we are pushing for. It is not what God is pushing for. We don't need behavior modification. In fact, a lot of people who don't know God, don't know his word, really think that like the Bible's full of behavior modification. Do this, don't do that stuff. And while there are lists and there are ideas of like, yeah, you shouldn't do this. It's not best for you. It's not best for others. It's not honoring to God. Yeah, but there are lots of lists like that. The point was never that you just become a robot who just always makes the right decision, but your heart wasn't with him. No, we don't need behavior modification. We need spiritual transformation. We need to become something brand new. And so all of life after salvation, when God gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit and he says, you are marked now and sealed with the Holy Spirit, I will never leave you or forsake you. You are marked by my son. When you get to that point and you've, and you've started the journey, the rest of the journey is a transformation. The rest of forever is transforming more and more into the likeness of his son, right? So I just want to make sure that that's clear here. When we're talking about serving, it isn't like, okay, put service on the list. We're going to make better decisions and then we're going to serve and make sure we're at the soup kitchen. No, we're going to, we're going to become people whose hearts are transformed into the image of Christ and we become something new men who serve from the heart. One more passage here I want to turn to here, and it's a long passage, but I think it, I think it says it so well. So going back to the book here one more time, Craig says this, it happened again the other day. To be honest, I couldn't even estimate how many times I've had some version of the same conversation. I met someone new in our community. Like always, I asked him how his family's adjusting and how they like their new house. And without fail, it's easy to find a way to invite someone new to the community to consider coming to our church. This time, when I brought up church, I found out that this person was already a Christian, a very frustrated one. Within seconds, he had already told me about seven different churches they had tried since moving to the area. The conversation went something like this. We've been church shopping now for almost two months straight, but we can't find anything that works for us. We liked the worship at one church, but the teaching wasn't deep enough. Then at this other church, we loved the teaching, but the kids' ministry was lame. We tried one church that we thought might be pretty cool, but no one talked to us the whole time we were there. He finished with the line that to me is the death blow. It still breaks my heart every time I hear someone say it. We just can't find a church that meets our needs. Now, before I start sounding like a critical, out-of-touch pastor guy, let me say that I'm thrilled that this person and everyone like him wants to find a great church. But the language in this conversation is troubling. For example, we're church shopping. It sounds like we are out looking for the perfect item of clothing. And the phrase, I can't find a church that meets my needs, is one of the most unbiblical statements any Christian could utter. 
This is the have it your way mindset. We see ourselves as spiritual consumers. The church is the product. We want to find a product that meets our needs. Before long, this polluted mindset creeps into our theology. Well, since I'm going to a church and doing good things, then God should answer my prayers, get me the job I want, help my sports team win the championship, and ensure that my 12-year-old becomes class secretary. And if any of this doesn't happen the way I want it to, then God failed me. Because remember, everything is all about me, right? We forget that we are not made to be spiritual consumers. God has called us to be spiritual contributors. And the church does not exist for us. We are the church, and we exist for the world. When my mind shifts from being a, a spiritual consumer, it's all about me, what I want, what I get, what I prefer, to becoming a spiritual contributor, everything changes. I'm here to serve God and to love people. I exist to make a difference. God created me to be a blessing to others. My food is to do His will and to finish the work He sent me to do. When we stop just serving because it's the right thing to do and instead start seeing ourselves as servants, that's the moment when we die a bit to ourselves and Christ is free to live through us to bless others. Here's a fun assignment. Ask yourself this. Am I more of the consumer or a contributor? If you are a follower of Christ, hopefully you are a valuable part of a life-giving church. When you think about church, how would you rate yourself? Do you drop your kids off in the nursery without ever serving in there, by the way? Eat a free donut or drink a free cup of coffee? Sit in a seat that someone else paid for? Enjoy the service? Then pick up your kids and go home? If so, you're a consumer. On the other hand, do you use your gifts to make a difference? Do you invite people to your church? Do you pray faithfully? Do you tithe consistently? Do you serve passionately? Then you might be more of a contributor. What about you? <laughs> when you hear that, again, that was a long passage, but I think he says it so well. Are you more of a contributor or a consumer? When is the last time, for example, that you took a whole day to serve somebody else? When you pray, think about the way that you pray. Is it mostly just about your needs? Is it mostly about trying to get the big genie in the sky to make sure that everything comes together for you? When you are in your home, what are you like? Again, are you a man that is about getting your needs met? Do you come home, hope your wife puts on some slippers for you, makes a meal for you so you can sit down and relax because you've had a hard day? Or do you put on your serving clothes and continue to serve her and your family? When, when you're at work, what are you like? Are you servant first? Or is it just about you getting ahead and you getting your way, right? All of that. As a dad, in your marriage, in your church, like what are you like? Are you a contributor as a person, as like that's who you are in your being? Or is everything about you and getting your way everywhere you go? Because it probably goes with whatever way you are at church. It's probably the way you are everywhere else too. If you're the kind of man that just shows up, that's just coasting, that's just saved by title only, but you're not giving significantly to the kingdom of God, then you're missing out. And guess what? The world is missing out on what could be through you. You're missing out on telling God's story through your life in a significant way, and other people are missing out as well. You are not saved so that you can just show up and like he says in the book, sit in a seat that somebody else paid for, get daycare, 
that you know you can just listen to a nice sermon that meets all your needs with great music but you give nothing to it you don't sacrificially give anything financially or otherwise to it and you just go home afterwards and think yeah it was great it was fine but you're more concerned with how the football team does after you get home we got to be careful in fact, not only just careful, but we've got to learn to make God-honoring decisions because it'll change your life. It'll change who you become because it changes the path that you're on, right? Do you see yourself as serving as something that you do here and there, or is it central to who you are? That's so, that's so key and so critical to this conversation. What would happen if you started to look at your gifts the things that God has given to you specifically for his glory, for the building up of the church, and you started to seriously and passionately use those things. What if you started to serve with the things that you're good at? What could happen in your life? What if God changed your heart and helped you to start becoming that kind of man day in and day out, and you decided to say, God, I'm going to follow you today. Help me to use the gifts and the things that you've given me for your sake, for your kingdom, for your glory. It's all about you. If you start praying that way and you have a heart that turns to serving first, it'll change your life. That's what we've been saying through Divine Directions. These seven decisions will change your life. There are no small decisions. If you stopped and paused and waited before you moved, you it'll change your life. If you can learn to decipher with wisdom and God's leading when to stay or when to go, it'll change your life. And when you start to see serving, not as something you do, but something who you are, it's the character of the person that you are, your life can change in dramatic ways. And guess what? When your life changes like that, other people, their lives are better too. Your wife will be blessed. Your children will be blessed. Your community will be blessed, your work, right? Your friendships, all of these things, the church that you attend. Because remember, here's the thing. When you make decisions to become the kind of man that God meant for you to be, it'll not only change your life, but it'll change the stories that you and other people tell of you. Don't you want to tell a better story? Like, Don't you want to, at the end of your days, have the ability to look back and, and just say, like, I gave it all away. I served like crazy. I did the best that I could. I ran my race to win. Guess what other people are going to do? They're going to tell that same kind of story too. And isn't that what you really want? I mean, if you could just stop here for a second and just think, when, when your life is nearing the end, don't you want stories of, of something significant? Don't you want a story of something about your life that just said, like, it mattered. He mattered to me. He mattered to so many well, why are they going to say that you matter? Because you gave your life away. You served like that. And when you do, you've got a great story to tell. So if you want to tell a better story, if you want to live a bigger life, if you want to be the man that God meant for you to be, then learn to make God-honoring decisions. When you make God-honoring decisions, you're going to tell better stories and your life and other people's lives are going to be blessed. We don't just serve as like something to check off a list. We become men who are servants first because what did Jesus say? The greatest among you will be servants. Let's have stories like that. Let's let that be the stories that are told of me and you. Hey guys, thanks so much for being here today and listening to the show. Please be sure to head over to the website at getinthefight.club. And before you go, if you haven't already, please subscribe, click the like button, 
and leave us a positive five-star review. It makes a huge difference whenever you do. Have a great day. Go get in the fight.